Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. So, so Wednesday night, if you didn't catch Wednesday night's message, uh, it's on the podcast, it's on the live stream. Uh, go and check it out, because we talked about what is revival. There's a lot of things that are happening in our nation, which are great. Um, but I gave some, some characteristics to what a true revival is. I was saved in a real revival, one that I know was a real, for a fact, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday we're going to do in Denton here is a three-day revival. When I, went to, when I got saved, I was at a revival that started on a Sunday and went that entire week till Friday. And God just kept moving. That was the plan. And then God kept moving. And the next week they said, God's moving so much, let's do it again. I don't know at what point I came in during the revival, but that revival lasted for four months. Sunday through Saturday, Friday, I sorry, and they took Saturdays off, and they'd go back Sunday again, and uh, I remember we went out to the park, there was, it was just a move of God, and, uh, and, and I, so I know what a revival looks like, and I want to see it again. How many want to see a revival of God in our nation, in our city, in our families, in our neighborhoods? God wants to move more than we want him to. We just have to, be, we have to make ourselves available for him to use me, tell, and you, you tell the person next to you, God's going to use you. Amen? Do you believe that? Now, what, God, what brings revival is two things I want to talk about this morning. I'm just going to pick two. And I, Since Wednesday night's message, the Lord placed this in my spirit. Two words, hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. I want to go over these two this morning in this message and, and, and teach you some things from the Word of God. We're going to start in Matthew 5. If you've ever read, read, read the, the Beatitudes, this is Jesus's many will say his most famous message, his Sermon on the Mount. And he gives these attitudes, and it would be good for us to go back frequently to read Matthew chapter 5 and look at these attitudes, beatitudes. You know, what is the beatitude? It's the attitude you should be. That's just what, that's what beatitudes is. That's, that's how you should act. And, and he gives all these promises, and, and, and I'm not going to go over all of them this morning, but I'd like you to go look. We should constantly be going back and looking at those and saying, Lord, how am I in the Beatitudes? If you're doing the Beatitudes right, your attitude's right. If your attitude's right, your altitude's right. Your altitude is determined by your attitude, amen? So the higher you want to go with the things of God has to do with your attitude. And so one of them is here in Matthew 5, 6, and it's exactly what is part of our, our message this morning. It says, blessed. How many want to be Blessed. Now, when I say that, sometimes the first thing that pops in a lot of our minds is money. That is a part of being blessed. But, but I've always told you the greatest blessing is, is, and prosperity is health and family and, and lots of other things that money is just a part of it. But God wants us to be blessed in all things. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, how many would agree with me this morning that not everybody's blessed? Everybody wants to be blessed. I don't think you're ever going to meet someone and say, hey, would you like to be blessed? No, no, I'm good. I mean, everybody wants to be blessed. But how many know everybody's not blessed? Jesus says there are certain people that he puts his blessing on, and there are people who are hungry and thirsty for the things of God. That They, they want everything God has for them. And I, I believe this morning, and not even, you don't even have to go out on a limb, that there is a bunch of people in this place that want God in their lives in a full capacity. You, you don't want God to revolve around your life. You want your life to revolve around God. I know I'm speaking to some people today who are hungry for a move of God. You want to see God move in your families. You want to see God move in your, in your workplace. You want to see God move in your neighborhood. And if, if I'm talking to you, then God is going to speak to you and God is going to do something great in your life this morning. It says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, righteousness is something a lot of times we don't know what it is. I'm going to make it simple. Righteousness is God himself. He's perfection. Righteousness is God's perfection. Now, how many know we cannot be perfect? Nobody in here can be perfect, but we have a standard that we are reaching towards. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So righteousness is God's perfection. But the good thing, the good news for us is we will never reach it, but we can be righteous in God's sight because of Jesus. Jesus came down, and a matter of fact, if you think about the verse in 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. 
And so the reason we're unrighteous is because we're sinners, but Jesus makes us perfect this morning. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus this morning? How many are thankful that Jesus went to that cross and was obedient to it so that we could be perfect in God's sight? So he says, I'm looking for somebody this morning. It could be a teenager. It could be an older person, a young person, a middle-aged person. could be a couple. could be a family. He's looking for somebody who is hungry and thirsty for the things of God. And it says, if you hunger and thirst, you will be filled. I love that God will never turn anybody away. No one's ever going to come to God. You're never going to come to a service where God's presence is and leave the same way that you came in. Amen? You're going to leave transformed because his presence is real. So I want you to focus on this beatitude for a minute. I want you to think about the last part of that. We're hungering and we're thirsting. And it says, if we do that, we will be what? Filled. When something is filled, that means there's no room for anything else. Now, some of you are going to get this right away. Some of you it might take a little while. Some of you might take a little while longer, but you're eventually all going to get it, I believe. Watch this. This is a revelation from God. When you are filled with God's presence and God's spirit, there's no room for the world. There's no room for carnal thinking. There's no room for doing things that are wrong. There's no room for making those mistakes. So that's why God says, blessed are those people who are so full of me that they don't want to have anything to do with the world. They don't, they don't look at the world with desire in their hearts. They're, they're, they don't want anything but what I have for them. And when you get to that place where God is your world, it is a beautiful place to live. Amen? Let's pray this morning and ask the Holy Spirit to touch this word. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your son, we declare your anointing over this service. Lord, we bless all those that are here this morning, those that cannot be here or watching on live stream. Lord, those that may be watching in other parts of the country or even in different countries this morning. God, we ask you to speak to us. And Lord, we come against every spirit of darkness because we know that the enemy is rampant and he's running to and fro, seeking whom he can devour. But we know in this place today that you've given us power to trample on serpents and scorpions. And every deadly thing we touch cannot hurt us. Lord, we can cast out demons in your name. We can lay our hands on the sick and they'll recover, Father. And Lord, we ask you to fill us this morning with the power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Somebody say, I received this morning. So as we go through this, I, I know today is going to be a good day and a good response at the altar because I had a bad night. Anytime I have a bad night, I know the message is going to be good. When, I don't like it when, he, when the devil visits me and his friends, but when they do, when they do I know it's going to be a good morning. I, I had a headache going to bed. I had a headache all night. I got woke up in the middle of the night with weird dreams. I had spiritual attacks. But you know what I did? I said, and I just started praying in tongues. And you know what? Those demons went and left my room. And the headache went away. Amen? I didn't, I didn't say, oh, Lord, help me. I prayed in tongues. I prayed in the spirit. And God came and visited me. And the demons left. Amen. I don't know if they ran to your house. But it seems like you're a little bit. They run to your house or something. Amen. Are you here this morning? It's going to be a good day. Amen. Because whenever the devil fights his word, it's going to be a good day. Amen. And we're victorious. Tell the person next to you, we're victorious. So the Bible says there, Jesus, does anybody love Jesus, by the way? Anybody here for Jesus? If you're not here for Jesus, I don't know what you're here for. That's what this church is built on, Jesus, okay? And so Jesus is the center point, the focal point, the every point of our, of our lives. And uh, that's why if you see that sign out there, it just says Jesus real big when you get to the, to the exit. Jesus said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for my righteousness because I'll fill them. Now the question is, filled with what? What are we going to be filled with? So I want to get into the word this morning and tell you what, what God wants to fill us with. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, and we're also going to look at the filled with, with what and for what. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them. Somebody say commanded. Notice that that is not a if you want to or I, I advise you to. He said, I command you to go and not depart from Jerusalem 
but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And John, it says, truly baptized with water. So there is a water baptism that we're going to have next Sunday, as a matter of fact. Got a lot of new converts that are going to get baptized next Sunday. And uh, they're giving their lives to the Lord. And they're going to go down in that water. And some of them are going to hold down a little longer than others. Amen. (laughs) Make sure that that old man dies. Praise God. But we're going to baptize them in water. But Jesus said there's a baptism that's in water. But he says John baptized with that. But the Holy Spirit's going to baptize in a different way not many days from now. See, see there in that verse that says baptized with water and baptized with the Holy Spirit? If you're taking notes, underline that or write that down. There's a thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just as you go down into water symbolically to leave that old man and the, the symbol of being cleansed as you come up and resurrecting with Christ as he died on that cross, there is a different baptism that is separate from your initial belief in Jesus. And this is what he's telling these people about in the book of Acts. He's saying, I I want you to be filled, but here's what I want you to be filled with, the Holy Spirit. So he says, go wait wait for me, and John baptized with water, but the Holy Spirit's going to baptize you not many days from now. Now the question is, this is a big part of the message, why do we need to be filled? What do we need the Holy Spirit for? Watch what verse 8 says. I love the Bible because it has all the answers. Jesus says, here's why I want you to be baptized. Because you will receive power. How many know it's God's will for his church to be filled with power? The church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be a powerful entity, not some religious place where God is dead. How many know Jesus is not in the grave this morning? Sometimes we've got to remind our faces of that, amen? How many, how many know Jesus came out the grave and he hasn't gone back? He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us this morning. Amen? And so he says you're going to receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. So notice that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. These are his disciples he's talking to. So they said you're going to go to this place, you're going to wait, and when you receive and are filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have power. And then it says you're going to be witnesses. Now I want you to leave this verse up, I think on the live stream, they'll put it on the bottom, but I want you to leave this up for a minute because this is important. Very, very important. Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What is the power of the Holy Spirit for? I was raised the same way that I was raised, or thank God, saved in a church that had revivals. I was telling the church on Wednesday when I talked a little bit about my testimony, I grew up in church. I was born in church. Not literally, like physically that day, but ever since I was born. But even before I came out of my mother's womb, I was prophesied over by a man of God, mighty man of God, God that God uses. And he spoke over my life when I was, when I was in my mother's womb. So I always knew I had a call of God, and then I was raised, thank God, in a family with great parents that are watching today online that raised me in church, drugged me to church, amen, got me to church every time the doors were open, and, and, and I was raised in a church where God's Spirit moved, and there was an emphasis on the power of the Holy Spirit. But as I got saved, I want to tell you a little bit about what I began to experience that I, that I, I want you to understand gets out of context or gets abused, We understand from the scriptures here that the Bible says the reason God fills us with his Holy Spirit and we get baptized in the Holy Spirit is for two reasons. Do you see them there again in that verse? One is to have power, and the the power is for what? To say I'm strong? No, to witness. Okay? And so I I was raised in a church where, unfortunately, there was abuse spiritually and a lot of the people, when they hear a message on, on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you heard me pray in tongues a second ago, some of you are like, <gasps> like I cussed or something. And the reason you feel that way is because the way you were raised. But how many know it doesn't matter how we're raised, what matters is what the Bible says. So I was raised in a church where the Spirit had emphasis, but the problem was is that every single service, I saw the same person getting slain in the Spirit. I saw the same person dancing. I saw the same person tongue interpretation. And it was, it was like, God, do you, do you ever use anybody else? 
That's what I began to think when I got saved. And so I began to see in the church, and I'm not trying to be judgmental or anything, the church I was saved in, and then when I would go preach in churches when I was first saved, I would see churches that were spiritually obese. What do you mean? That means that it's all in. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill us. Oh, Holy Spirit, fall on us. Oh, Holy Spirit, baptize us. And everything that's happening in the church is happening in the sanctuary, but nothing's ever happening outside the four walls. Jesus did not baptize them in the Holy Spirit so that they could have an amazing prayer meeting, and that's it. He baptized them in the Holy Spirit so they could walk out of the upper room and get 5,000 people saved the first day. Y'all following me? So I'm not downing or coming against the moving of the Holy Spirit, but I'm telling you we want the Holy Spirit to be God. And we want it to be his sovereign move. And we want to understand that if I'm going to get filled with the Holy Spirit, the reason he's baptizing me in his spirit is for me to witness. So again, if you don't understand what I'm saying about spiritually obese, I would ask the church, I'd say, how many of you in this church, when I was preaching as an evangelist, how many of you have been saved in the last six months? Now, according to them, the, the Spirit of God was there. They sang Holy Ghost songs. They danced. They moved. They shouted. They clapped like we did today. But nobody was getting saved. So how many have been saved in the last six months? No hands went up. How many people have been saved in this church in the last year? No hands went up. Sometimes I'd be in churches where I'd get to five years. Are y'all listening to me? That's not a church. That's a social club. Oh, I'm gonna go, let me go over to this side over here. Y'all, y'all didn't quite get that, and you must be part of the social club. If a church isn't getting people saved, it's not a church. It's a social club. Because Jesus didn't baptize in his, in his Holy Spirit to, to, to just build numbers and have the same people every week and say, oh, that was a great move of God, great service, great move of God. But what is God doing? When God is moving, it's going to go out of the building. It's going to get into the houses. It's going to get into the supermarket. It's going to get into the school. That revival that happened in Pensacola, Florida in the early 90s when I first got saved, I didn't go over there to that place, but I knew it was happening. But it lasted three years. Three years. And in that revival, let me tell you how I know it's a real revival. The police officers, I mentioned this Wednesday, would pull people over to arrest them or arrest people to go to jail and give them the option to go to jail or to church. That's a revival. How many would like to see God do something like that here in Denton, Texas? Where God is moving so much that they say, hey, man, stop stealing I'm going to give you a chance to go up to that church on, on Ganza Road and give your life to the Lord or I'm taking you to jail. Which one you want? And I was thinking on Wednesday, how many people actually chose jail? Can you imagine that? Nah, take me to jail. Some people might have. But the truth is, church, the reason he wants to fill us is for us to do something with it. To get out of these four walls and tell people about Jesus. Now, I want to talk about how many know the way, the way you're going to reach somebody is through personal experience. We do outreaches all the time. We have spring fests and fall fests. We've done movies. We've done movie nights. We've done all, we, we're constantly trying to think of ways to do outreach. But the way a church grows is the chain of grace. Somebody, we had, a, we had a, a couple here Wednesday that came and got saved. They were back here at the 9 o'clock service, and somebody in our church invited them. That's how the church grows. That's how the church got to us today. Imagine if there was no emphasis on soul winning in the early church. All they would have done was been a part of history where they said, man, God really moved for 10 days in Jerusalem. But there was no fruit from it. Y'all following me this morning? And if you're in the first service as a server or something, you're like, man, this is a totally different message. So far it is. So this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I'm talking about. We saw baptism in water. Now we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you this morning that a lot of people and a lot of churches don't preach on this because it's not popular. And because the speaking in tongues has been abused. Pentecost has been abused. We've joked about how, that, that I, I was telling the first service that I get these, these things on Instagram. They're not, they're not actual videos. They're called, oh, you guys must be watching Instagram a lot. Reels. 
reels. So I, I guess according to what you watch on Instagram, they, uh, they pop up. So I get all these reels of these church services. I don't know why, because I don't really follow any other churches or anything, but I get these reels. And it's, all, it's like showing the pastor doing the Holy Ghost dance or so-and-so, so and so, and the whole church is dancing and, and all this. And listen, that, I, there, there's a move of God in there somewhere. But my question is, what's happening from that? Are you all with me this morning? You all are a harder crowd than the 9 o'clock crowd. The crowd was easier. Amen? This is, this is, the, this is why this doesn't get preached on, because it's been abused like a lot of other stuff. But the fact is, out of personal experience, I know that what the baptism of the Holy Spirit did to my life transformed me. If I didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would have not have been able to do anything that I've done for the Lord today. And, and I've had people over the years tell me, and I've told this in the past, people who've been in my ministry, in my, even before I was ever a pastor, they would come to me and say, as we were in a prayer meeting, you have something I don't have. They would tell more than one person, several different times, people would say, you have some. Now, if we're both saved, what do I have that they don't have? The power of the Holy Spirit. There was something that they saw in my life or felt in my life that we both have Jesus. But they said, what is it that you have that I don't have? And I knew what it was. And, and Peter said this on the day of Pentecost. He said, this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And so I told that, those people, it, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're hearing me pray in tongues. You're hearing my prayer language, and that's what I have that you don't have. And I would walk them through the scriptures, and they would get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they would be blown away of how their prayer life changed. So you, you, you can be a doubter here today and say, no, nah, man, I was raised in a church that don't believe in that, or my mom and daddy told me this or that, but I just want to challenge you today to read your Bible. Don't even, I, I, even my parents that are watching online right now, I had to get to an age of accountability where I, wherever they taught me had to be lining up with the Word of God. It, hello? Thus says the Lord. Amen. So if we look at Jesus again, going back to Jesus, I want you to remember that this whole baptism of the Holy Spirit thing wasn't Paul's idea. It was Jesus's. Jesus said, I'm leaving. And the only way, somebody say the only way. Can you say it again? There seems to be something like that about Jesus, that he's, he does the only way a lot. He said the only way these 12 men are going to reach the world is if they get my Holy Spirit. He knew that. He knew that in 2023 the gospel wouldn't be in Denton, Texas if the Holy Spirit wasn't involved. And so he said as his last words, how many know people's last words are important? He said in his last words, we read them earlier there, he said, I need you to go wait for the promise, and I need you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can do what I'm calling you to do. And look what John chapter 7 says about what is it that happens when the baptism happens in our lives. Something happens on the inside. There is a, you may be here today and have a desire to serve God, but you don't, you're not walking in the full desire that God has for you until you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? So he says right here, on the last day, he's in a feast with them, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if anyone, now who, who's anyone? Can I see your hand if you're in anyone? That's all of us, right? If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, other versions, you might have a version that says out of his belly, that means out of your innermost being. The very core of who you are, it says, will flow rivers of dead water. Has anybody ever smelt dead water? I don't know if there's a worse smell than dead water, rancid water, water that's been sitting. But he says living water will flow. Amen? People, it must be flowing to the bathroom because lots of people are getting up. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. And it's funny, I think these messages are so good because they make people nervous. I love it. It just gives me more fire than I'm preaching what I'm supposed to preach. 
But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. The what? Say that with me. But this he spoke concerning the... Whom those believing in him, watch this, would receive. This is a future event that Jesus is talking about. Some people will say that when you get saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Why then does Jesus say that these people who will believe in or are believing in me will or would for, I'm not the greatest English person in the world, but I know would means forward. It didn't say did. It says would. That means future tense. Right? Any, any teachers in here can say amen to that? Future tense? So he's, he's saying at this moment it hasn't happened yet, but those that believe in me in the future will. And he says because for the Holy Spirit has not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay, so this is an event, an experience that God has for his believers that is beyond just putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see that with me this morning? Now, here's the question. Here's a very important thing about the Holy Spirit. How do we know? How do I know that I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I've talked to people over the years, and, and if anybody's a guest this morning or here for the first few times, uh, I'm, not, I'm not super old, but I'm not super young. I haven't been saved forever, but I've been saved a long time. And I've been preaching the gospel for 30 years. So I have a little bit of experience of what I'm talking about. And I've never ran into somebody who it was talking about the things of God and the Holy Spirit and, and, and said, I don't want more of God. I've never met someone who says, I'm good. I've got enough. I've, matter of fact, I've got too much. Can you take a little bit, please? I, anybody that's got a right mind to say, I want more of God, right? But Jesus was trying to teach these people, I'm leaving, and your intellect is not going to do it for you. You're going to have some serious attacks. You're going to have some serious devils. You're going to have the devil, the Bible says, who's a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour, chasing you and coming after you, and I'm trying to equip you with something to defeat them. But you don't have to have it, but you got to want it. But they'll say it happens when we get saved. Jesus says, no, John baptized with water, but a few days down the road, you're going to get baptized with something else called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we already saw it's for witness and for power. So here's, what's the evidence? How do I know? I've asked people over the years, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they say, yeah. And I say, how do you know? And they say, I just know. There's a biblical evidence. How many like evidence? How many like biblical evidence? Look what Acts chapter 2 says. Verse 1. Now Acts chapter 2 doesn't happen if they don't obey. Take that down for a second. The Holy Spirit wants me to say something here. Acts chapter 2 doesn't happen if they don't obey. What did, what was, let's just go back again. What did he tell them to do? He said, I need you to go wait. We know biblically the Bible tells us they waited for 10 days for the Holy Spirit to fall. And they were obedient, and there was 120 of them. Here's another interesting thing that I want you to think about. 500 people the Bible says Jesus appeared to after he rose from the dead, right? Anybody know your scriptures to know that? How come 120, only, only 120 went to the upper room? I just want to leave that with you for a second. Because 380 said, we don't need that. And that's the picture of the church today. We don't need that Holy Spirit thing. Jesus, we got Jesus. Yet Jesus is in the heavens interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. And if we say we love Jesus, then we'll do what Jesus said. And Jesus said, when I leave, you need to get the Holy Spirit. Because if you're going to get this gospel to the ends of the earth, you need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. 380 said, no, we're good. 120 said, I'm just going to be obedient. And so 120 go to the upper room right here in Acts chapter 2. And watch this. It says, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, I just, want to, I just love doing this, and I just want to do it again this morning for this message, this sermon, this, this uh, 11 o'clock service. If you've ever heard anybody say, uh, or maybe you said, oh, those Pentecostals. Those Pentecostals over there, the ones that hang off the chandeliers and do cartwheels and, and, and all that, those, those Pentecostals, because you were raised Baptist or Methodist or, or Presbyterian or Episcopalian or the Chosen Twelve, Frozen Chosen or whatever, whatever you were, 
whatever you were raised. How many know that denominations aren't God's plan? Just one church. But people say, oh, those Pentecostals. Well, I just want you to know if you're saved and you believe in Jesus Christ and you believe in the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm going to mess you up right now. I don't know if I can say it to this side. Let me come over here. You're Pentecostal. You're Pentecostal. Why? What do you mean? What? I'm, I'm jacking your doctrine all up, your theology all up. Messed up here. Messed up. You calling me a Pentecostal? No, the Bible is. Because we came out of that church. That's where the church was born, on the day of Pentecost. So just take that home with you. When it had fully come, which was the feast, they were all, somebody say all, so everybody can have it, with one accord in one place. And suddenly, when a move of God happens that's sovereign, it comes suddenly. I told the church Wednesday night, I wish I could make revival happen. I wish I could fabricate the revival I was saved in. I wish I could copy somehow what's going on in different places in the world and bring it here. But you can't. You just have to put yourself in a position and obey God and wait till he suddenly comes. And when he suddenly comes, he does something supernatural. And I believe he's doing that. And it says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled, there's the word, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And watch this. Here's the evidence. How do we know those people were filled? Did they walk out of the church with wind blowing out of them? No. It says that there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And as I say fire right there, that's, that touches some of your spirits. Not all of you, but some of you. Fire touches mine. I want the fire of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want everything God has for me. And it says, as a fire sat upon some of them. Who did it sit upon? Each of them, or in other words, all of them. And watch this next verse. And they were, just shout it out with me, all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit was they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How do I know if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, if we go back to the original baptism of the Holy Spirit, the way they knew is they spoke in tongues. Anybody want to just uh, stand up and grab the mic and argue with that? There's, that's what happened. You, am I reading this? Y'all reading the same thing I am? That's the, that's, now, we, we can change it. People have. And then, the, and then they'll say, well, that's, that was for them. How do we not need God's power more today than they did when Jesus was on the earth? We need it more. But somebody came along, church, and listen, somebody, and listen, I'm not being disrespectful to denominations or any of those things. Because God can use a donkey. He can use anything. But the fact is, church, we can't change God's word. And nowhere in scriptures, and listen, I'll be here after service. You can come talk to me. I'm here. You can get my phone number. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I've been in this city for almost 15 years. You can come talk to me and show me in the scriptures where it says that that baptism of the Holy Spirit was for them only. I'll be here, and I'll be here in crickets. Because you can't come to me with no scriptures. Because the same people... That, that told me, you got something I don't have, were raised in different denominations. And I asked them, what did they tell you? They would sometimes come up with one or two scriptures. I can give you 50 that says how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and talk about what we're talking about. I can give you 50. That give me one or two. How many know that doesn't hold weight? 
The one, one verse somebody gave me, the, this first guy 30 years ago, he says, they tell us in 1 Corinthians 13 where prophecies and tongues shall cease. That's a love chapter. The whole chapter is about love, where tongues and prophecies cease. I said, that's it? And the next chapter, he spends the entire chapter talking about ordering the service with tongues. So you got to understand, this, this is a heavy issue, and, and as we get closer to the return of Jesus, it's going to be less preached in churches. But in the name of Jesus, it's going to be more preached in this church, because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit so we can do what God's called us to do. Because otherwise, it's just our works and our words. But when Jesus is involved and the Holy Spirit comes upon our lives and we get baptized in the Holy Spirit and we pray in tongues and we have a tongue to pray and to, to, to glorify and edify God, something happens. This goes along with a hunger and a desire. Who gets filled, Matthew 5 says, those who hunger and thirst. So he's not going to fill you if you don't want him to. If you don't want to be filled, don't worry. He won't because he's a gentleman. And then I've heard, I can see some of the clouds over your heads, but I've heard of people that were in those denominations, and they just all of a sudden got filled with the Holy Spirit, and they didn't ask for it. That's because God was using them as an example. He needed to touch some other people. I've heard lots of stories. I've heard of pastors getting kicked out of their denominations because they started speaking in tongues. No one taught them. Matter of fact, they'd have been taught against it. But they're being used mightily because the Holy Spirit's moving. So it's a hunger. Watch what Psalm 63 says, verse 1. God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. How many would agree that we're in a dry and thirsty land today? Not, not physical thirst. Spiritual thirst, where there's no water. Church, who's going to give these people the water? The church. So I have looked. It's like, imagine, imagine fires going on and people going to the fire station and saying, hey, we need water. Say, no, we don't, we don't function in that area. We don't do water. We're for, those fire, we're for those fireplaces that don't deal with water. Hello? What are firemen supposed to do? With what? Water. The church needs to be the water that the world's looking for. We can't tell them, no, we don't function in that area. We skipped over those chapters. How many want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Amen? So he says, I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. I think a lot of times people are coming and they're looking for things of God. They're coming into a service where there's no power, there's no presence, there's no love, there's no anointing, and they leave the same way they come in. And they, they looked, but they didn't find it. We have to be the church. When they come, they find it. Revelations twenty two seventeen says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirst come. Who are those people? I don't know. Do you thirst this morning? But he says, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So one is hunger. The other one is humility. Hunger and humility. This is important. When you are humble, listen to this closely, you are as close to God as you can possibly be. Humility attracts God. When he looks at a person's heart and he sees humility, we're the most like God. We can. How many want to be like God? When you humble yourself, that's when you're the closest. If you think of Jesus, you can read this for homework in Philippians 2. Read it for homework. We know the scriptures. Jesus says, he who being God, being God, made himself no reputation and humbled himself and went to the cross. Can you imagine being God and coming to this earth, born in a manger, spit on and despised by men, and, and having the power to just wipe everybody out that's mocking you. But he says, no, I humble myself to the obedience of the cross. So when I am humble, 
I'm as close as I can be to God. Watch this. And when I'm not, I'm as far away from God as I can be. The Bible says he resists the prideful. He opposes the prideful. So we have to fight every fiber in our being against the spirit of pride. You know the reason we have sin in our lives today? It's because pride got Satan. Way before Adam and Eve, Satan said, I'm, I'm as good as, as God. And he, he didn't humble himself. And he was shot out of heaven. And you know when Jesus said, I see Satan flying out of heaven, he was saying that with a humility. He got kicked out. Watch this. Satan got kicked out. Jesus stepped out. Satan lifted himself up privately. Jesus became nothing and came down to this earth to die on the cross for our sins. And he went to Peter and he said, Peter, I need to wash your feet. And Peter said, don't be, don't be, by the way, don't be the Peter before Acts chapter 2. You want to be the Peter after. Don't be the Peter that denied Jesus three times. Don't be the Peter that cut the soldier's ear off. Don't be the Peter who who's always doing the wrong thing. Be the Peter who obeyed Jesus and walked out of the upper room and led 5,000 people to Jesus because he had a different attitude because he'd been baptized by the Holy Spirit. He says, I need to wash your feet. Peter says, no, Lord, I'm not worthy that you wash my feet. He says, well, if I can't wash your feet, in other words, if you don't obey what I'm telling you, you can't have salvation. You can't enter the kingdom of God. He says, then wash my whole body. That's what God's looking for this morning is people who will stop analyzing things and start believing by faith what God's word says. I have a word for somebody. It may be for more than one person. It's not in my notes, but I have a word for some people right now. I believe it's for more than one person. That you're analyzing too much, and you're missing out on the blessing of God. Because there's an element of faith that God wants you to operate in that you won't operate in because you think it too much. And you've been told too much. And you've been through too much. And I can give you one example right now, but I could give you a hundred in the Bible. When, when Naaman got his healing, he almost missed it because he wouldn't humble himself. He says, that river? You want me to go dip in that river? That, I'm, you know who I am? You're going to send a messenger to my door? And to thank God for somebody in your life that will speak some truth to you and speak some truth to me. That servant comes over and says, if he had told you to do something noble, would you have done it? That's why I said God will use a donkey. He'll use anybody. I'll be the donkey today as long as he uses me. He's looking for some people that say, God, you tell me to go jump off that cliff. When I jump, you're going to be there to catch me. Amen? You tell me to go to another country and preach the gospel, I'll go. You tell me to go to that neighbor that, that can't stand me and I can't stand him, I'll go. Whatever it is, I'm desperate for a move of God in my life. I humble myself this morning like Jesus did. Now, I'm going to give you one more verse. Proverbs 22. Actually, sorry, 29, 23. Watch this. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. You want to be honored by God? Humble yourself. Say, Lord, I don't understand all this stuff that they're talking about. I've heard things about this, and I've got a preconceived idea about this. But, Lord, if you said in your word that those people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues, and they had that, and that's what got the gospel me today, then I want it. I want it. Look at this other verse right here, 22.4. Or 22, yeah, 22.4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. When you are humble, you're as close to God as you can be. In our flesh, we would walk into a place like this and we might think we're somebody and might walk down and sit at the front row. Now, I'm not, I don't want to say this for church sitting. I'm glad people sit in the front row. I need someone to sit on that row over there. Because I feel like no one likes me. Thank you for being in the second row. Amen. The first service is less people over here. I'm like, man, I'm, I know I put some cologne on today. But I'm not talking about you're sitting in the cert or that if you're sitting in the back, you're more holy because you're sitting in the back. The idea is a person that's prideful would come and sit on that front seat. And then with the risk of somebody coming along and saying, sir, you're sitting in so-and-so seat. Can you please go back to the back? 
have to get up in front of everybody and go to the back. There's a parable about this in the Bible. Instead of being at the back, and then the person says, hey, you're supposed to be up here in the front. Come up here. This, is, this seat's reserved for you. That's the kind of people that God's looking for. They will humble themselves and say, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. I'm yours. You want me to go jump in the Nile River? I'll go in the Nile River. You want me to go to the Jordan River? I'll go to the Jordan River. You want me to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'll get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You want me to get baptized in water? I'll get baptized in water. You want me to take communion? I'll take communion. You want me to tithe? I'll tithe. You want me to jump? How high? That's the attitude God's looking for. But I know there's a lot of people here today that you have had a bad experience. You've been in some of those places that I've talked about where it's been a move of, of man and not God. That does not take away from the sovereign move of the Holy Spirit that we need to be hoping for and asking for and hungering for. And what that move of the Holy Spirit will do is it will cause people to fall on their knees at an altar and repent of their sins. It will cause people to say, my life is not right with Jesus and I need to get it right today. Whether that's some kind of sexual orientation, whether that's some kind of hatred against your neighbor, whether that's some kind of, of, of adulterous situation or fornication or pornography or drug addiction or alcohol or whatever it is. Whatever it is, that spirit will draw people to come and repent of their sins and turn from their ways. And then they will get up out of this church and they will go out of these four doors and they will tell somebody what Jesus did for them. That's a revival. That's the spirit God's looking for. Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's in this place. I thank you for your anointing. Lord, I know that you're speaking to us because I know there's opposition. Lord, starting this morning in my bed, in my room, I know that you, I'm speaking your word. And I know, Lord, that I could, I could be like so many other pastors and just skip over this part of Scripture. But, Lord, it's what changed my life. I know without a doubt, Lord, I wouldn't be here today through some of the horrible things I've gone through in my life if I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit working as evidence in my life. Lord, I pray this morning that there would be a burning desire in the hearts of your people today. Anyone that's here today that's never experienced the day of Pentecost experience, Lord Jesus, that they haven't felt your power and they haven't known your glory, Lord, that they could be used to go out of this place today and spread the gospel to the nations, Father, and that we can see a mighty, mighty move of God. Lord, I've presented this in the way you've told me through your Holy Spirit. I pray for those that are here that they would be hungering and thirsting for righteousness because they will be filled. And devil, I remind you again that you have no place here. You must remove your hand off the minds of these people. Demons of darkness, your powers are disarmed by the blood of Jesus. You have no power and you have no authority. Your lies, your deception, your spirits of wickedness in high places must flee now in seven directions. They cannot be in this place. Greater is he that is in us than the devil that's in this world. And Father, I thank you right now for touching the hearts of every man, woman, and teenager in this place this morning that if they died today, they would not make heaven their home. Knock on their doors right now. Holy Spirit, knock on the doors of their hearts and ask them if you can come in. All across this congregation, from front to back and side to side, is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Is Jesus knocking on the door of your heart and saying, let me in. I want to change your life today. I want to make you a new creation today. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you think. I died for those thoughts. I died for those sins. Just believe on me. And when you believe on him, he will make you a new creation. And all the old things you've ever done will be passed away. And the Bible says all things will become new. How many all across this place, front to back and side to side, could say, Pastor, today is the day I'm going to give Jesus my life. I've never done it. Just lift up your hand.
and put it right back down all across this congregation. I need Jesus this morning. I see your hand. God is moving on hearts. How many more? I'm going to wait just a few moments. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts. I, I want to speak to some people here today that you are, are being lied to. Now, no one else is going to know this but you. But you're being lied to by the devil on a daily basis because you think you're okay with God. You think that the way you were raised and the what, how you were taught and, and your family members, where they go and there's an erroneous thought in your mind that somehow you're going to get to heaven through the beliefs of somebody else. That's not how eternity works. Jesus said that it's appointed unto man once to die, then comes judgment. We're all going to stand before God for ourselves. You will not have your parents with you. You will not have your spouse with you. You will not have your brothers and sisters with you. You will stand before God for yourself, by yourself. And if you're not right with him, hell will be your eternity. If you've never said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I need to be forgiven this morning, and I know I need a Savior. I'm not asking if you've been to church before. I'm not even asking if you've served in church or been a member of a church. I'm not asking if you have a Bible in your hand. I'm asking, have you been born again? Has Jesus come in and changed your life? Is he your life this morning? If you're here and that was speaking to you and you know who you are, just lift your hand up and say you're talking to me right now. Just lift it up. That's me. I see your hand. I see your hand. Preconceived ideas. Religion's not going to save any, but there will be no denominations in heaven. Only people who've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I want us to stand this morning and stay in this spirit of reverence because the reverence of the Holy Spirit is here. Quickly, I'm going to give this call one more time because I believe in my spirit. There are people here right now that if Jesus came back right now or you died today, you would not make heaven your home. You need to get right with God. I know it in my spirit. I don't know you and I don't know who you are, but I know there's some more people and I'm going to wait. Because that's, that's, this means everything to me. I don't do this for a career. I do this because Jesus changed my life. And somebody waited on me. Somebody waited for the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but something, how do I know? It's like the evidence of speaking in tongues. How do I know I need Jesus? Because right now you're scared to death. Right now your heart's beating really fast. And it's telling you to raise your hand, but the devil's telling you not to. Who are you going to listen to? Just think about it. Are you going to listen to the one who, who, who accuses you? lies to you, hates you, has never done anything but rob you, or are you going to listen to the one who gave his life for you and died on the cross for you and says, I'll take you just like you are? Because right now the devil's telling you you're not good enough. The devil's telling you right now you haven't done this, this, that, and the other. The devil's telling you, remember those mistakes you made? All kinds of things. And Jesus is saying, don't listen to that voice. I'll take you just like you are. I died while you were still a sinner. I died for the ungodly. I got you. It's not about, again, a religion. It's not about a denomination. It's about is your name in the book of life? Do you believe? Now, I'm going to do this next, mo next, next step. Some raised their hands. Some needed to raise their hands. Right now, if you know you need Jesus, you raised your hands or maybe you didn't, you know it. I want you to find that nearest aisle. I want you to step out to that aisle, and I want you to come down right now quickly. Hands raised, or you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. Come on. Hands raised, or you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. Come on. Amen. Come on. How many more? How many more? How many more? Holy Spirit, speak. Holy Spirit, touch. Oh, Holy Spirit. Would you just pray? I don't do this a lot. Would you pray with me and bind that spirit that's holding some people back? I'm thankful for these that came, but there's more. 
You don't understand how long eternity is. Why would you stand back there and let the devil keep lying to you? You know, one of the biggest lies of the devil is a religious spirit. God is looking for humility. I need, I need to get saved every day. I, I rededicate my, my faith to Jesus every day. Jesus, I just want you to know, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I just want to remind you that I'm not good enough to go to heaven. Jesus, I just want you to know that it's by your grace that I'm saved. Jesus, I just want to remind you that when I die, I'm going straight to your presence, not because I'm a good person or because I was a pastor or this or that, but because your blood was shed on the cross for my sins. I'm going to wait five more seconds. I've, I've seen this. I've heard the story. Too. When, I, when I'm waiting like this, it's because the Holy Spirit's telling me to. And I know that there's people that if you die today, you're going to stand before God one day. Come on, keep coming. You're going to stand before God one day, and you're going to look at a screen just like that. And God's going to show you this service. He says, say that preacher waited on you, and you knew it was you, and you stayed in your seat because you're too prideful. You know what we've had happen in our church, in this church, a bunch of times, and I thank God for it? We have had people in our serve team, people who do pulpit ministry, realize they had some stuff in their life they needed to come get right. We're not, we're not trying to put on a front here. We're real people that need a real Jesus. So don't ever feel like, well, if I went up there right now, Man, if, if I was living the wrong life and I need to repent, I'd turn around and do this myself right now. Don't matter what you think about it. It matters what Jesus thinks about me. Is your heart right with God, a living God that the Bible tells us and this world tells us? You don't have to be too smart to realize how close the return of Jesus is. And yet God loves you so much to have you in this place. I believe there's some people watching online, too, that I've forgotten about for a second that they need Jesus too. So we're going to say a prayer. And there's, you know, when, when there's tears, that's true repentance. Where God is touching our hearts and telling us, I forgive you. Such a beautiful feeling to feel forgiven. Amen? And so I believe that those tears are a sweet fragrance to Jesus this morning. Amen. A sweet fragrance to the ears of Jesus. Amen. There's another one. Thank you, Father. We're going to say a prayer for those that are here and those that are online. And uh, make it from our heart. And then we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us. So we can go out of here and be the witnesses the Holy Spirit's called us to be. If you're watching online, you may be in tears. You may be wishing you were here. There's, there's some, unfortunately, they may not be watching. We wish they were. People who were with us last year. And today they're home drunk, over, hung over. Maybe on drugs. I know, I know, I talked to them. I talked to him, and I'm not, I'm not going to name names, but I talked to him. I said, man, woman, come on, get right. Quit messing around. I'm praying. One guy told me, I'm praying. I tell him, but you don't need to pray. I'll tell you what Jesus is telling you. Come. Stop praying. Come. Come back to church. Get right. Amen. Let's say this prayer tonight, this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy and your grace. I receive you. I receive your forgiveness. I know I've made mistakes. I know I've failed. But I know that you died on the cross for a sinner like me. Jesus, I confess with my mouth. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. 
And because of that, when I die, I will go to heaven because of your precious blood and because you rose from the dead. Forgive me now. Wash me clean. Make me a new creation. All my old things are passed away. And behold, now all things have become new. Jesus, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I renounce and repent of all my sins. And I say from this day forward, devil, leave me alone. Get your hands off of me. Get out of my mind. Get away from me. I belong to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.